0: Hi, and welcome back to our Streaming Science podcast series. Streaming Science is a student driven science literacy program at the University of Nebraska Lincoln. Through our multimedia platform, we connect you with scientists and scientific concepts that can enrich your everyday life. I am your host today, Bethany Carlberg, an Agricultural and Environmental Sciences Communications major from Mullen, Nebraska. Today, our guest speaker is John Evans, a current PhD student in the Biological Engineering Department here at the University. John is currently researching grain harvest logistics, which basically means that he is collecting a bunch of information from tractors, including how they fuel, how much fuel they use, and how efficient the patterns are that they follow in the field. This information helps John see how farmers' harvesting practices can be improved. His hope is to create a wireless device that will link to the tractor and show farmers how efficient their techniques are on the spot. Okay, so before we begin, since CAN is a crucial part of your research, can you explain to everyone what it is?
1: So, CAN is a communication uh, protocol. It's essentially a uh, multi-master bus system, so if you think about your uh, home office; uh, those are peer-to-peer connections. So your computer is talking directly to your printer. Uh, if you've got a camera plugged up to your uh, computer, it's talking directly to the uh, camera. Usually, the the camera isn't can't talk directly to that printer. So that's a that's your basic peer-to-peer network. In a bus network, all those what we call nodes uh, can talk to each other. So that's really critical in mobile applications because you have a lot of different. Um, electronic, your control computer controllers that control specific sub-functions or tasks, and so they need to be able to talk to each other and get, share information. best example of this is in your car. So uh, since Robert Bosch came up with CAN network in the mid-80s, and uh, since then it's been heavily adopted in automotive, so basically any car now is going to run on a CAN network. And, that just allows the engine computer to talk to the transmission computer, to talk to the body computer. All those things can share information um, over this network. And the biggest interface we have with it is going to be that OBD two port. So if you have a check engine light come on, uh, you plug your scanner to that, and that's just re- that's plugging directly into that CAN network, and we can read diagnostic codes that come from those uh, printer or those uh, controllers. So. The same thing's happened in agriculture now um, since the early 2000s, uh, tractors are using the same same network. So that is pretty important to us because it allows us to get a lot of information pretty easily. Uh, we don't have to go out and and put on all these sensors. A lot of these sensors are already integrated. We can just uh, plug into that bus and get a lot of this information that we was difficult to get before.
0: Okay, so with all the data that you analyze, there's a lot and I know the trend right now is big data. People collect all this data um, mm-hmm. and then don't know what to do with it. So with all the data you collect from the CAN bus, what do you end up doing it? Like how do you store it and analyze it?
1: So right now uh, I, I collect CAN data in a lot of different methods. So um, local loggers or loggers put directly on the machine and store data onto an SD card. Um, that's where I started. And that information I just pull off and I have a, a hard drive to keep everything on. But uh, I've really started to move into the telematics side of it. Um, there's some pretty good telematics data loggers on the market now, and those actually allow uh, us to collect that data and send it over a cellular network uh, directly to a cloud server. So I don't have to worry about going out and collecting the data and if the SD card is going to be full, Uh, it it automatically uploads, it's there for me. They actually do a lot of decoding, so um, it's it's just the information I want already up there and ready to go.
0: Oh, that's really handy. (laughs) (laughs) Your objective is to create a practical and feasible harvest logistics model with decision support tools for single harvester, single grain cart operations. Um, Connecting the CAN bus with that, how is this research important um, and valued to other people?
1: So I use that can data to to validate the models that I make um, to try to to reduce some of these um, infield travel from these machines. So uh, big picture, uh, machinery is is one of the biggest inputs producers have, and it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, Combines are over 500 horsepower. We've got tractors over 600 horsepower now. So we've got these huge machines moving through the field, and that has a lot of implications to the operation. Uh, First of all is if you're, if you have unnecessary travel, obviously you're going to have, it's going to cost you more time, it's going to cost you more fuel. Um, Another thing is compaction, so we've got these huge machines going through the field now. Um, I've got a tractor and grain cart that when loaded weigh 105,000 pounds and uh, when they go through the field you're creating compaction which can hurt yield in the future. And so uh, there's a lot of these issues that we haven't really looked too closely at yet and we're essentially ignoring. And so um, what I'm doing is taking that can data and using it to validate some of these models that I'm making that uh, try to use an optimization algorithm to uh, plan routes to the fields so we can minimize that infield travel and hopefully um, increase the efficiency and reduce some of that unnecessary travel.
0: Right, so are you team, teamed up or partnered with real world farmers that are collecting the data?
1: Yes, so I've got, uh, for my project, I've got two producers that I work with, uh, one in near Wahoo, Nebraska, and then I've got another one uh, up in uh, Western Iowa. So I work uh, closely with those. They run about, each of them have about 1,800 acres of, of row crop production, and that's most of what I focus on is row crop, so corn and soybean uh, production. And uh, I've got data collection on their grain carts and combines, um, and I've been collecting for the last three years.
0: Okay, so you've just have you just been collecting the data, or have you seen any results? And then they've changed the field pattern in, in uh, result of that. Uh,
1: that is hopefully what's going to happen in the future. Right now, we are. Uh, I've got a model that runs and can reduce uh, the infield travel based on what they did last year. Uh, the key going forward is uh, is predicting yield. So uh, one of the biggest concerns or biggest challenges with Modeling a harvester uh, logistics is that you have it's a capacitance based system. So that harvester is um, is accumulating grain in its bin, and uh, it has to unload that grain onto a support vehicle, usually a grain cart. So where that and to, for efficiency purposes, they try to unload on the go. So the harvester doesn't stop. The grain cart pulls up beside it, unloads while the harvester is still uh, uh, continuing. So when we're planning out these routes we have to plan out for that and we have to know that okay we need to unload on this pass but if, if that's the case we need to have room for the grain cart to run beside the combine so that pass to the left where the combine unloads has to already be harvested so that's one of the biggest challenges we face um, as far as the logistics side of it we haven't gotten that far yet um, right now we can look at past data and say, okay, if we had known where the combine needed to unload, this could have been the most optimal route to the field. The, the challenge going forward with that, trying to do that predictive um, side of things and actually reduce some of this infield travel is going to be the yield. We need to know the yield to know where, where the combine needs to unload, and because it has to unload or the, it has to have room beside it for the green cart to unload. So um, that's a real challenge right now: is knowing the yield before you go into the field. Um, that's something we just don't know. Um, there's a lot of work being done with drones to try to correlate some of that. But that's a piece of the puzzle we don't have and hopefully going forward we will. And then if you don't have that, then you have to have a a live model that can update based on changes in that route. So you can't just put in a route now. You have to say, this is the route, well, it's changed. Now we have to, to generate a new route based on the new data. So, hopefully going forward that'll be the next step of the project, but right now we're just trying to see what gains we could have if we were able to do that.
0: Okay. Have you always known you wanted to go into this research field? How did you end up finding your way here?
1: So um, I like big tractors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I came from a, a smaller farm in Kentucky, so we don't have anything over uh, much over 100 horsepower tractors. and. Um, I've always liked this bigger side of agriculture, so uh, I finished my masters at UK and had a chance to come out here and, and work on this stuff and it really intrigued me to, to get to, to work with this equipment and then uh, the prospect of being able to help uh, farmers actually uh, reduce some of this infield travel and hopefully uh, increase profitability for them while maintaining this current prices of, of food so we can continue to feed the, the world as it grows
0: after your graduate education we kind of talked about it earlier but could you kind of talk about your own vision on where you want to take this
1: right now one of the limitations of the model is again the predictive side so we don't know what the yield's going to be so we need to incorporate figure out if we can have uh, a faster running algorithms that can update on the go uh, to do some of this uh, the other challenge is the field shape. When I say a practical and feasible model I mean we want to be able to work in fields that aren't perfectly square because there's even here in Nebraska there's not a lot of that and so we have to deal with some of these uh, irregular shaped fields and right now my model can deal with some of those but it's when you get down into smaller um, highly irregular shaped fields uh, starts having trouble so we need to move both towards that predictive side and being able to do um, more fields, uh, or do some of this path analysis on all the fields, not just more regular shaped ones.
0: Even for the irregular shaped fields, you use algorithms to figure out the best paths they use?
1: Yeah, so most most harvest operations are going to use what we call a headland pass pattern. So they're going to go around the outside of the field uh, a couple of times to open up the field, and then they're going to start going back and forth in a, uh, in straight parallel passes. So that's usually the way it's planted and that's also the way it's harvested and for crops like corn that you have to maintain that because of the, the actual physical setup of the harvester. So most fields are structured like that and basically we're trying to reduce those turns from those parallel passes because we know we have to, we know we have to cover all this field to consider it harvested, but the way we go from pass to pass is where we can um, improve these efficiencies. So that's generally similar for uh, big fields, big square fields, and smaller, regular shape fields. It's just making those uh, turns gets a lot more complicated when you have a lot of weird uh, edge patterns and and you don't just have this square field where you know you can turn around.
0: Right. And you want to cut down on those turns so you can increase efficiency, correct?
1: Yes. So that's going to be in the square fields. uh, We can do that you know, there's a little bit of potential to do that. It's, And that's where we're working now, uh, square and, and slightly irregular shaped fields. Um, the real benefit though is when we get into these highly irregular shaped fields, because those are where operators don't have a real good sense of if they can make that turn because of the shape of the field, or um, it's just too tight because of the physical shape of the field. So I think is it on a, pers- on a, overall savings basis you know the bigger fields are going to have more potential but on a percent of travel the smaller fields are going to be uh, more impactful we're going to save more as a percent of travel in those smaller fields
0: what can the operators look forward to when you guys go through this research and you're finding results and actually solving your research questions
1: so hopefully where this is headed the first step will probably be um, an integrated integration into a uh, uh, harvester display. So most, or almost all harvesters or uh, larger harvesters are going to have a, a display with GPS. They're recording that yield data and they know they they can see their passes. So um, the first steps probably going to be getting that into the monitor and being able to show them in the monitor which pass they should go to next. Um, and then beyond that is where we start getting into the autonomous side of things. You know we're doing this path planning for farmers right now that are our combine operator, operators, but it goes right into the autonomous operation as well. Um, instead of showing them, you know, we just probe that in, into the autonomous harvester, and it can go through and be the most or be efficient throughout the field.
0: Right. So this would be an oversimplification, but you can kind of compare it to Google Maps. Somebody driving, just putting in a co- coordinate, and then it just fastest, most efficient way to get there.
1: Yeah, that's a great comparison. It's, that first step will be like the Google Maps where we're telling you where you should go. And then the second step is gonna be that, maybe that Google car where it's actually taking you there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty awesome to figure <laughs> out how to do that and farmers would be at a great advantage in finding how to do that. Um, what would be your advice to future people who'd like to go into this research and or career field?
1: Be meticulous. There's, there's so much data that comes in. Um, you have to, you know, check it all. I mean, there's there's so many little things that happen in the field that you think you have a good data set, and it turns out, you know, something's didn't quite come out right. And that's it's hard because you only get in in ag research, we only get one shot a year at this. So we can't just go back and, and redo it in the lab like a lot of other fields can. We have we've got one shot a year to get this. So um, be meticulous. Make sure you're getting the data, um, and just. Um, understand that you only have that one chance a year so (laughs) uh, it's important to make the most of it and get as much as you can out of that.
0: Well thank you so much for meeting here meeting me here today and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's Streaming Science podcast about harvest logistics modeling. It has been a pleasure being with you all today and you can listen to more podcasts at www.streamingscience.com. I am your host, Bethany Carlberg.